Hey guys, and welcome back to the Fairway Performance Podcast. This week, we're joined by a man by the name of Cam Strachan, or Cameron Strachan, um, and he's a fellow Australian uh, living up in Toowoomba in Brisbane there. Um, and I first heard of him a couple of weeks ago when I did a podcast with uh, Mike Leonard from Wicked Smart Golf, and he said that I must have Cam on uh, and dive into some of Cam's content. And I have done that in the past sort of week or so um, since meeting Cam, and um, I really enjoy what he's got to say, particularly about putting. So that's what we're going to get stuck into today. Um, but did you want to first say good day to the audience, Cam, and uh, just give us a quick backstory about who you are and, and where you've come from? Yeah. Hi, Sean. Thanks for having me on your podcast. It's great to be here. And I've got to say, Mike Leonard's been awesome for me. He's uh, got a great uh, podcast, that Wicked Smart Podcast, and he's... Um, He's actually done very well with his putting, so yeah, he's um, he endorses it. So it's been awesome. Uh, and my backstory, quickly, without trying to bore everyone, is that uh, I think and I think my story is quite quite common because I speak to a lot of golfers, and I have, I've been doing this for a long time, over twenty, nearly twenty five years. And I started when I was fourteen, and I was hopeless. My first game out, I scored about one hundred and fifty six, I think it was, and my second game, I got worse. I was in, in the one hundred and sixties. So I had no natural talent for the game, but I was hooked on it. I was a soccer player back in the day when I was 14. I quickly gave up soccer and focused on golf. But within within 12 months, I'd shot a, a par round. Uh, my first handicap was 11, but I quickly got that down to sort of six and seven. Uh, and then my play attracted the attention of the local coaches, and I won a scholarship. And then it was then I had to start having lessons all the time. But it was also then where I sort of got stuck and I started to struggle. I had an air swing. I couldn't hit the ball very well. I got frustrated. I was practicing hard, but I just couldn't get this, you know, get, couldn't get the bloody ball in the hole. Um, and I stumbled onto natural learning. My dad basically gave me a kick up the bum and said, Cameron, this is rubbish. You used to be a good player. Now you're hopeless. Get rid of the coaches. And it also sort of coincided with uh, a member of my club giving me a book called The Inner Game of Golf by Tim Galway. And that um, really resonated with me. So at that point, I pretty much gave up all the coaching and was able to get my game back. That's the really abbreviated version. I got my game back, uh, and I really haven't looked back since. Uh, I've written books on it. Um, I was lucky enough to work with a guy called Aaron Badley way back when we were sort of both juniors. He, he wanted to become one of the best putters in the world. So, yeah, I've written a book on um, my putting ideas and been writing ever since, to be honest. And, you know, now with the internet age going into podcasts, I'm doing more of these podcasts and getting interviewed and it's just just amazing. Yeah, and uh, the the story about Aaron Badley and, and how you actually worked with him and um, how you actually thought you didn't do that much for him but it actually helped him a lot, um, I, I actually really resonated with. Did you want to share that? Yeah, uh, so um, Aaron, Aaron, obviously, he won the Australian Open. I think it was in 1999. We won the first. We won his first of two Australian Opens um, as an amateur. He won it, and later in a few years later, I was over in Arizona. I went and stayed with him, and uh, we're out playing at uh, TPC uh, Scottsdale. At Scottsdale, the golf course there, where they have that amazing 16th hole with you know 40,000 people around it. They go nuts throwing beer and carrying on like um, like uh, college <laughs> kids do. Um, so we played there, and I was on the second day. He, he was just putting so well. I couldn't believe it. He was holding everything. And I said, mate, your putting is phenomenal. And he sort of looked at me and said, who taught me how to putt? And I went, well, I don't know, mate, you know, old mate coach from back in Melbourne days. He goes, no, you idiot, you did. <laughs> and I said, yeah, but I was really basic what I showed you. And he goes, yeah, but it worked. And I, and I still do it today. So um, he encouraged me to write a book. So I pretty much drafted the first copy of the book on the way home in the plane from, um, you know, USA back to uh, good old Melbourne. And um, that's how it sort of kicked off. I, it was the, the ideas were very simple, but, 
um, I've since realised since studying learning and human performance that yeah, simple does really does work, and our learning systems thrive on it. So yeah, I've, I've almost made a career from it. And uh, what what was the secret message that uh, that actually transpired in that that quick lesson that you gave him? Trust your learning system. So it's okay. not like golf or putting especially um, because it's not a physically demanding skill. Like we're not trying to lift 300 kilos of weight. Um, it's not overly technical like a five-year-old kid can putt and a 99-year-old 90, can putt. Um, yeah, learn to trust your, you know, trust your learning system. It's no harder than throwing or catching a ball. And that's, that, was, yeah. that was probably the big takeaway and Aaron really embraced it. And even today he still putts, you know, still putts very well. Yeah, and what do you mean by that? What do you mean by um, it's as easy as throwing and catching a ball? Like, what's well, if I was the... to stand here now, I know we're on camera, and you're you're down in Sydney, and I'm up here in um, amazing Toowoomba. But if I was going to throw you a ball, <laughs> I've got no doubt you'd be able to just reach out and catch it. And then yep. if I asked you to throw it back to me, you'd look at me and you'd throw it back to me, and I'd be able to catch it. And if I walk further away or came closer, or you walk walk further away, we'd be able to throw and catch that ball, no worries. Well, that's in a really really um, simple way. That's how. That's how we can approach a skill like putting and do very well with it. Yeah, right. And uh, and why is that? Is that because we've practiced this thing before, or is that because um, we're using like a certain motor control, or like how well, how does that work? Well, most most especially Aussie kids and US kids, you know, we, we as young kids, we definitely we throw and catch a ball a lot, so we can appreciate the simplicity of, of that skill at a scientific level. Throwing. Is a quite a quite a um, quite a well researched skill, and there's actually a technical scientific term throwing. So um, it just just for humans, it, it works for us. It makes it makes something that's quite complex really easy, and we all can appreciate how simple throwing is. A lot of us, when it comes to putting or any any skill for that matter, and especially in golf, we overcomplicate it. We think about our grip, we think about our stance, we think about our posture, our forearm plane, our wrist angles, uh, and that tends to overload us and as a result, when we go to the cause, our mind's spinning and we really can't um, perform optimally. We, we struggle, we miss a putt, we get nervous, we get anxious, and the more you do it, the worse we get. And that can lead to the yips and, you know, severe forms of nervousness and anxiety and fear and we can't putt our best. And that's why you can see some really good ball strikers, whether it be on the US Tour or the amateur tours, you know, good golfers are really good at hitting the ball. Some, some of them can't, can't putt, they actually get so anxious and so nervous on the putting green. Um, and they've done that because I've disrupted their learning system. Yeah. And um, like with all the the golfers that you work with, because I know that the majority of the guys that you work with, um, I've heard you talk about this before, they're, you know, professionals and they're successful in their careers in, in other avenues and, and work and whatnot. Yeah. Um, what is it, what are the mistakes that they're making on the, the putting green in particular? Like are there sort of two or three or four like really common ones that you see a lot? Um, that this system, uh, the the look and shoot uh, method helps with? Yeah, good question. Um, I call them the accountant types. So okay. they're not always golf professionals, but they're professionals in their in their life. So they're accountants, they're doctors, they're lawyers. Um, you know, they, they're they very smart people and typically very successful. And they approach those professions with a lot of uh, left brain thinking. So they have to analyse, they have to, you know, like a judge, for example, has to read a lot, has to think a lot. Um, but if you if you often apply those same principles to golf or to putting, you can completely disrupt your system. So look and shoot tends to work really well for older golfers, golfers who are sort of thirty five and above, because they've gone around the you know they've been around the the block a few times. They've tried all the theories, um, they've tried really hard. They've bought new putters, they've heard all the theories, they've tried different grips, they've tried everything, and they they get to a point where they get sick of it, 
and they think, you know, I need a change. I need to do something different. And that's what automatic golf or natural learning offers. It gets, gives you a, a chance to get away from all the technical thinking and approach golf in a more natural, more instinctive, um, more, more instinctive way. And it just makes it just makes it more fun because we're actually all hardwired to learn. We all have the same capacity to learn. Um, not everyone, and my research suggests I think two percent of golfers can fully embrace the technical, you know, theories. So that leaves roughly ninety eight percent of us um, who can't embrace all that, all that technique. So when you get a different approach that bypasses all the technical aspects, your learning system shine shines. Golf becomes more fun. Putting becomes easier. And as a result, you get more enjoyment and satisfaction. So you're ticking a lot of boxes. Yeah, yeah, bloody earth. It's um, it's one of the things that I try and help people with as well. Like, um, you know, if you're you're taking it to the subconscious level, and we're like just sort of looking and shooting essentially, as the mm-hmm. as the um, book goes. Um, if we're doing that a little bit, and our body moves really well uh, because we're fit and strong and able and mobile and all that sort of thing, then it it all will sort of blend together. If we've got restriction in our mind, restriction in our body, and that's causing some, you know, dissonance there or some problems, then we're probably not going to get the most out of what we have. Um, yeah, and that's one of the break, breakthroughs I made, Sean, was that I couldn't understand how I hit the ball so well. So when I, I got to 17, 18, 19 years of age, and my ball striking was, was you know, quite good. I was able to hit the ball long. I hit a lot of greens. You know, I can rem- I can recall a time where I hit a three-wood, you know, Cross, a, cross bunkers onto the green to about four feet and then I three-putted and I got frustrated because I was like, well, I can do all this. And even my mates and my some of the older members of my club would say, Cameron, you know, you're a bloody, you're a, you're a nut. Like you hit the ball so well, why can't you putt? And I knew it wasn't physical because I hit the ball so well, so I had the physical skills. Surely I could um, make putting work. But, yeah, it was because I was completely, completely overloading, completely um, disrupting my learning system and years later, when I got to work with some sports scientists, um, bio, bio, biomechanists, some of the smartest you know people on the planet that I've ever met, like they were phenomenally interesting guys to work with. Um, one of them said, Cameron, if we analyse too much on how to walk down a flight of stairs, we'd end up in a heap at the bottom. And I've never forgotten that. Um, and that's pretty much what I did with putting. I never really, I, I did, I did to a certain degree with my golf swing, but the putting, I completely lost the plot. And I think we do that because subconsciously we think, oh, you know, putting's easy. You know, it's just there's no power involved. It's you know, it's a pretty simple skill, but we try and override that skill with, um, you know, too much thought, too much technique, and we get disrupted, and yeah, our, our learning system shuts down. And that, I believe that's how we feel the yips, and we get the extreme nervousness on the greens. Yeah, it's um, but yeah, I see so many people struggle with it. Like, I played the other day with um, with a friend who's just going for his handicap. And um, actually, I've played two rounds recently with people who are just going for the handicaps. And, and one of the guys, um, he had like seven three putts during the round. And it wasn't um, it wasn't for any lack of anything else except for him standing up and, you know, having like 10 practice swings behind the ball and like adjusting his hands and like thinking about all this stuff and then getting up to the ball and then either leaving it six feet short or 10 feet past. Like he was thinking about so much other stuff that the – um, the lag, he, he just left that out of his mind. Um, yeah. And that's exactly what was causing him the problems was he was leaving, you know, it was pretty much online and his, you know, stroke looked okay, but um, his speed control was just absolutely terrible. Yeah, and to me that's a sign, and I've seen it, you know, I've seen it for 25 years, it's a sign that the golfer is trying too hard. Um, they're thinking too much about their technique. They're thinking about how hard do I need to hit it, uh, and it's almost impossible. Like it, it's, you know, there's no, there's no way really of, consciously figuring out how hard to, 
how hard hit that putt. You've got to look at the putt. You can even walk up and down the length of the putt, and that will help you with a feel. But at some point, you've got to let go and go, you know what, the ball's here, the hole's there. Let's just hit the ball towards the hole. And again, it's no harder than throwing that ball to someone. You look at them and you throw the ball almost always with perfect speed. Um, if I was going to throw a ball to you from 10 metres, I wouldn't, you know, take your head off and it wouldn't bounce three times. I'd just look at you and I'd throw the ball and, you know, it'd come to you at the perfect speed and the perfect height. Yeah. So um, we, we've talked a little bit about it. Um, let's, let's, let's dive into it a little bit further. So yeah. for the, especially like using this example of, of my friend who was standing back taking 10 practice swings, um, then stepping up to the ball, still hovering over it for, you know, a small amount of time, like maybe yeah. 10 to 15 seconds, um, and then putting and leaving it, you know, six feet short or 10 feet past. So what's the, how does this system apply to him and, and how can he start to incorporate it and, and work with it? Yeah, sure. The first thing is we've got to get him um, out of his thinking. We've got to stop his wheels from spinning because the chances are your friend is thinking so much. He's he's worried about his grip and his stance and where he's aiming and he's thinking, how hard do I have to hit it? And he's also probably saying, oh, geez, I hope I don't three-putt this again. I've three-putted the last four greens and Sean's going to think I'm, a, I'm an absolute packer. Um, you know, I want to try and get a good handicap. So he's got a lot of internal dialogue going going on. So we've got to try and break that. So a great strategy that I like to use is, is I call it a mental distraction technique, and it can be as simple as counting numbers in your head, one, two, three, four, five, six, or singing a song. Uh, and this might sound a bit strange when you first hear it, but it's actually also very normal. Um, most, of, most of the time when we're driving our car, we're not thinking about how to drive the car. We're, you know, we're looking where we want to go, but we've got, we've got the music on or we're chatting to you know, one of the passengers. So this, this mental distraction technique is very normal. So if you can um, sing your favourite song in your head or count numbers, that's going to distract your conscious mind for the duration of the putt and it's going to bring your instinctive putting skill, your instinctive putting game to the surface and it's going to maximise your chances of rolling that ball at the right speed on the right direction towards the hole. Yeah, right. And um, I love, um, can you share your go-to song that you use? Because I heard this. Uh, Mary Had a Little Lamb. I had a bit of a laugh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, because I couldn't. That's awesome. I, um, when they handed out music appreciation, um, I was I was out playing golf or soccer or something or hitting tennis <laughs> balls. So I've got very, virtually no musical appreciation. I've probably got a little bit more as I've gotten older. But, yeah, um, Mary had a little lamb. Its fleece was white as snow. So that's and that's quite funny when you're playing um, pennant matches in Melbourne and I was singing out loud sometimes and I got really nervous and I got some very strange looks. Or I was counting numbers as well. So I, 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 like, I like counting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Um, and it just goes on. And so, yeah, you get some very strange looks when you start verbalising that out um, so people can hear you. Yeah. And um, so talk me talk me through um, this applying into a putt. So um, my friend's lining up for it. You know, he's standing back behind the putt. Um, you know, where does he start singing and, and, like, where does it finish? Like once he hits yeah, the ball or, or just before it? So I like, to ima- I like golfers to imagine a, a line behind the ball. And, and, you know, it's an imaginary line. It might be two or three metres behind the ball. And when you're standing behind the line with the ball in front of you, you can pretty much do whatever you like. You can think, you can analyse, you can panic, you can talk about the weather, you can you can practice your, your putting stroke, you can think about the technique that you read on the, or saw on the Golf Channel or in one of the golf magazines. Um, but at some, but once you cross that line, you're playing golf or you're putting, and that's where you start the the you know the mental distraction technique. You're counting or singing a song. There's different variations. Of mental distraction technique there's more advanced options but you know, counting or singing a song is a really good start for most so you start counting as you get to that imaginary line and once you once you cross that line you're fully immersed in the counting or the singing of the song and then you just got to trust 
that your learning system is capable, which it is, of getting set up, getting aligned, and then being able to stroke the ball towards you know towards your target. Yeah, cool. I um I sort of employ some of those already without um you know without actually having ever you know heard of your content or whatever. And I think anyone who has the a line on their ball when they're putting already does that. So essentially, for me, I'm trying to not think about what line I'm going to hit it on. I set the line up. Uh, make sure that it's at my target or, or the point that I'm aiming for, the the yeah. apex of the part, whatever you want it to be. Um, and then literally all I do when I stand over the ball is I just take my stroke. I don't have any practice swings. I don't do anything. I just line it up, look at the hole, look back, and then just go for it. Um, and I've heard Jason Day does this as well. Is this, um, I guess that's very similar to, like I'm, I'm, taking, yeah, I'm taking away some of the like the complex thoughts of lining it up. Uh, and I'm literally just thinking about how far to throw the ball, right? It's brilliant. So, um, so once you're behind, once you're behind the ball, I call that Einsteining. And so you're thinking about your upcoming putt, or you're thinking about something else. But you can do pretty much, as I said, anything you like. Um, obviously, you, you might be choosing your line. And part of lining up your ball, I know when you're lining up your ball, you're actually you've crossed that imaginary line. But let's pretend that you you haven't crossed that line. You're lining it up. That's a form of Einsteining. And then you might back away, check your line one more time, and then when you walk in. You're just focused on rolling the ball along that line. You know, your imaginary line on the ball, just a continuation of that line. Um, a brilliant form of uh, automatic golf, um, natural learning. It's very instinctive, it's very normal. And yeah, you're minimizing the amount of conscious thought because you're not, I'm assuming, you're not thinking about how far to take the putter away. You're not thinking about your ball position. You're not thinking about your head. You're just simply rolling the ball along a continuation of that line that you've drawn on your ball. Yeah, exactly. Very simple. It's very yeah. simple. So, the, so what part of the look and shoot process is about simplification. It really is. It's about taking all the other garbage away and just focusing on the one or two key areas that has the most impact. The most, you know, it gives you the most bang for your buck. Um, yeah, because typically technique. If you think about your worst round you've ever had or the worst putting round, you're probably thinking about lots and lots of things. And if I ask you to try and remember your best putting round, for the most part, and I've asked thousands of golfers this question. But for the most part, when I ask them about their best rounds, they have trouble remembering what they're doing. They have some sort of awareness that they're trying to roll a ball towards a target, but for the most part, they're not thinking technically. They're thinking um, naturally. They've got a mental distraction technique going on in their head, but yeah, they're not thinking mechanics. They're thinking, you know, ball, ball here, get get it in the hole. Yeah, well, essentially, that's like being in the zone, right? You're hundred um... percent. Well, you can't get in the zone if you're thinking about three million things. If you're yeah. only thinking about one key thought you've got a much better chance of getting in the zone. Our brains don't really do two things well at once. We do one thing at a time really well. Um, if you're trying to do two things at a time, and there's been umpteen studies that have proven this, um, males typically think when, when, they, when we drive a car that we can, you know, check our mobile phones and do 300 other things. Well, we can't. You know, we've really got to, um, you know, we do one thing really well. Okay. We can't do two, you know, very hard to do two things at a time well. Yeah, Un- unless you're a woman. Women can do that. Well, they're, you know, I, was, I do want to say that, Sean. You said that. Um, <laughs> good luck with your projects. Yeah. No, I, I'm pretty sure all the women will appreciate that. Um, cool. Now, obviously, we've talked about this system with um, with putting. Um, does it apply to all clubs through the bag? Like, can we use a, a similar approach to, to all clubs 100%. through the bag? Or, yep. 100%. Learning is learning, and it applies to everything. So a really good coach, and I don't care if the coach – um, is a coach in, in netball or basketball. A really good coach should be able to help any other. Um, could help could coach anyone in any any sort of endeavour, any hobby, any 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 sport. Um, 
Absolutely. So learning is learning. So you can, my best clients, 100% apply the principles inside look and shoot to all parts of the game. Their short game, their their own play, the whole lot, the full the full game. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, Nothing really so- changes. It's it's a simple process. The reason it works well for putting is it gives. Um, well, my experience with the golf swing is golfers are massive, massively passionate with their golf swing. You know, it's, it's something they treat like a, a fragile baby or something, it's something that's going to break. So they don't really like touching it, whereas they're more inclined to give automatic golf um, this natural learning caper a go on the putting green. They're less, they tend to be less um, emotional about it. And then once they see the benefits of what it can do for their putting, yeah, they're more inclined then to, hey, you know, maybe I can try it with my full swing or maybe I can try it with my short game or bunker play or whatever it is. Yeah, because um, like I, I've got a, a few friends that literally stand behind the ball and they're thinking about ten different things in their swing, and they're generally the ones that go off the off the rails. Like they don't end up playing that well, and they sort of give me shit. They're like, "Oh, you're just naturally athletic. Like that's why you're really good." And I'm like, "Well, no, I actually don't really have swing thoughts. Like I literally know that I pretty much hit a fade with my driver, and my irons go pretty straight or have a tiny bit of a draw." I just look at my target, pick a target six feet in front, set up behind the ball and just hit it. And I just see ball, hit ball. Like that's literally mm-hmm. what I say to them. And um, what, what's your thoughts on that? Like, I've been um, dealing with that for nearly 30 years or probably over 30 years. Yeah, um, Cameron, you know, this automatic golf stuff, it sounds awesome. You know, I sort of understand what you're saying, but it's easy for you because you, you're just so naturally gifted. You hit the ball so well and you're talented and rah, rah, rah. And I'm like, well, yeah, but I never used to be. Like when mm. I was 18, 19, 20, I couldn't, I, couldn't, I couldn't bust eggs. I was hopeless. Like I'd be able to play well sort of midweek with my mates, but then I'd get to the competition on the weekend and I'd choke. I'd shoot. There's a classic one of me. In a practice round, I shot six under. And in the tournament proper, I shot 90, 93, I think it was. Like mm. I did that sort of stuff all the time. Yeah. But then once I figured it all out, once it made sense and I really applied it, I was able to, yeah, shoot way better scores more consistently and I just approached – yeah, the game very instinctively, very naturally. And I encourage lots of people. I've been saying, banging on about this natural golf. No, it's not natural golf. You know, natural learning, um, automatic golf for yeah, nearly 25 years. And, yeah, I haven't really changed my message. But, yeah, people still say, oh, yeah, it's okay for you to say. But, yeah, it's got nothing to do with me. It's just how we learn. It's 98% of us, would, I think, would benefit greatly from thinking less and learning to trust our inbuilt learning system. Yeah. And um, so going back in your story, so – um, when you said that um, you got a little bit of coaching and then um, as soon as you got that scholarship and you got the coaching and your dad told you to get rid of the coach because you played better, yeah. what was it that you actually found in yourself or like how how did you come across this natural learning? Was like were you starting to research it then and, and like learn about it or did you just go back to like no swing thoughts and you're like, well, hang on, this works, like there, there could be something in this and that led you to research or like what was well, the sort of tipping point there? The tipping point was that the book, The Inner Game of Golf, and okay. I actually shared that book with a good mate of mine. I think he's one of Australia's best coaches. He's, he doesn't coach golf. He, he's actually a terrible golfer, old Scotty. He's um, <laughs> useless, but he, he doesn't mind me saying that, but he, he, he loves coaching and he coaches. Um, he's coached Olympians and AFL players and um, you know CEOs and executives. Um, he read the book. Wasn't, it was probably 2021, but he said the book was ahead of its time, even though that book was written in 1974 or five. Um, but, so yeah, that was wow. a catalyst, and then it also you know, coincided with my dad telling me to you know stop thinking about the swing and the golf, golf so much, go and play, and just trust yourself. I mean, my dad's a straight shooter; um, he was six, very successful in business, but he didn't beat around the bush. You know, he t- tended to um, trust himself and not get caught up in all the 
the hoo-ha and, the, and he calls it bullshit. But, um, yeah, I sort of applied it myself and it made sense to me. It just felt good. I can remember the one of the first games out where I wasn't thinking about my swing and about how to putt and anything like that. I was just playing freely. It was just like taking the straitjacket off. Had a freedom and an enthusiasm and a you know deeper satisfaction and appreciation of the game. And when you can drive to the course and you know before you get there you're going to play well or you're going to putt well, it's a pretty powerful feeling. And I never had that prior. I had it when I first started playing, when I you know, got down to you know past scores within 12 months. But once I'd started the lessons and thinking about backswing playing and eyes over the ball and how far how far back to take the putter, um, oh, golf was awful. It was actually, honestly, it was horrific. And the harder I tried and the more I practiced, the worse I got. And I didn't realize at the time, but the very thing I was doing to get better was actually causing me all the grief. Yeah. And uh, so you reckon 2% of golfers would get better from doing that that process and 98% wouldn't? Well, it's only my research. And, look, it's not, it's, they're yeah, not yeah. hard and fast um, percentages, but I talk, I'm talking about fully being able to embrace the technical mindset. You know, If we look at our golf club, there's probably always one golfer that's really technical and can talk about swing theory and putting theory and putting mechanics and, and whatnot and still play pretty well. But there's also guys that think they can talk about it and think they can apply, it, but they're bloody hopeless. Yeah. But yeah, for most of us, most of us self-destruct if you do it too long. You know, there's nothing. I've got nothing against technique. If you love, um, you know, going deep into putting mechanics or swing theory, by all means, do it. But at some point, you've got to leave it behind and go play because that's where the you know you've got to enter the arena, go play. That's where the enjoyment is. That's where satisfaction lives. And ultimately, if you can't go to the course and express yourself naturally in, in a free-flowing way, I think you'll never, ever get anywhere near your full potential. Yeah. And um, so just there, when when you say that technique and everything does have a place, where where do you place that? Because obviously on the course we want to um, you know, employ this method and follow this look-and-shoot method for putting and for, for our you know, any club through the bag. Yeah. Um, where where and what time do we apply a bit of the mechanics and the, the technical thinking and, and learning about maybe an inside-to-out swing path and, and how that shapes the shot a certain way and that sort of thing? Yeah, good question. I've got a bit of a – I'm not saying it's radical, but it's probably slightly different from what many people have heard. But I would do my recommendation, um, keeping in mind that I might not be a great, um, you know, a great person here because I haven't had a lesson in 20-odd in years. I don't. Um, never work on my swing. I don't work on my putting technique. But if you are going to work on things, I would. the radical thought is do it at home. Do it away from the golf course. So practice your putting on the carpet. If you're lucky enough to have a, a backyard golf green at home, do all your technical stuff at home. Um, don't, do it, don't do it all the time. Like at some point you've got to, again, train yourself to putt freely, putt instinctively. So, But when you do go to the golf course, you, you're playing golf, you're putting, you're not, you're not trying to remember – something you saw in Golf Digest or something you heard the commentators talking about, Rory McIlroy, um, you're actually bringing your putting stroke to the, to the, you know, to the course and you're, and you're letting go. You're putting freely. To me, that's the best way to do it. Do your technique away from the course, leave the golf course for playing golf. Yeah, it's, um, it's one of those things like uh, I've been lucky enough now to, to just move into this place that we're in and, and I've literally just down behind the computer here, I've got a, a nice little net set up and a, a perfect little mat, like a driving range mat yeah. and, uh, and a Garmin R10 launch monitor. So I do all my technical side of things there and I've had a real problem with early extension and, and having to fix that because it's just been plaguing me with big snap hooks and and, uh, and blocks for my whole life, uh, learning as a kid, having to use my legs to, to get all the power. 
Yeah. Um, but now, you know, you can't see them, but my shoulders are a bit broader after all this yeah. gym work. Um, so I don't need all that power from the legs. Uh, but I'll focus on all my technique work downstairs and video myself and everything else. And I'm just working on like one to two things at a time. Then when I go to the course, I don't really think about that stuff too much. I just go there and I just hit balls and I just want to see how far I'm hitting them that day based on the weather conditions and what shot shape I'm hitting. So if it's just for that day, like if it just seems to be going right to left and it seems to, you know, and my miss is is going left, I'll just be like, okay, cool. Like that's what I'm working with today. I'm just going to aim a little further right of the target and I just factor that into what I'm doing and I just go for it. And um, yeah, I think that's where a lot of amateurs run into problems is they're trying to adjust all of those things on the course without, you know, like getting to hit multiple balls with the same club to see the same result happening or, or to get a feel for where their miss is that day. Yeah. Um, does this make sense or do you hear this? Oh, man, I could talk golfers? about this stuff. I could talk about all this for, um, yeah, for weeks, on, on you know, weeks without stopping. I mean, I've devoted my life to, to this and, you make some really good points, and I, we're probably getting drifting away from the putting. But I'm happy to to go there. Um, yeah, sorry. <laughs> like most, most amateurs, you know, and it gets a very general term, and I'm almost uncomfortable saying most because you know it doesn't mean everyone. But a lot of golfers, a lot of amateur golfers, when they practice, um, they're either thinking too much about their swing, trying to get the right swing plane, or the grip, or the stance, or the ball flight, um, and they're also trying for perfection. They're trying to get the perfect shot. And so when they go to the golf course on Saturday morning and they're warming up and they've got a bit of a hook or they're not hitting good shots or they don't feel good, those golfers really struggle to take that that game right then in that moment to the golf course. But the the reality is that, is that golf is a hard game and we're going to hit some days we're going to feel a bit ordinary, some days we're going to have a bit of a draw or a hook and other days we're going to have a push or a slice or, you know, we don't feel 100%. But we've got to learn to play with it. Like we can't change, we can't change reality. We've got to get out there and be able to play and this is the difference between the technical mindset and a learning methodology, which is what I'm um, massively passionate about. It's what automatic golf's about. It's a learning methodology. We can train ourselves to deal with almost anything the game can throw at us, and we can find a way to get the ball from point A to point B in the least amount of fuss um, and maximise. And again, I'm saying maximise. I'm not saying guaranteed, but we're maximising our chances of success. Yeah. I, lo- I love it. And uh to to get back onto the um the putting train because that's uh that's where we are yeah um what are so I sort of asked about it before but what were um, when someone comes to you and they're saying hey like this has fixed my putting it's eliminated me from thinking about you know x y and z what are some of these things that people can be you know conscious of or look out for that they're you know thinking too much for their stroke like you, you mentioned grip pressure and um, like what are some of the things that come up? Um, it could be a really long list, Sean, because golfers are we're bloody strange bunch of people, um, especially adult males, the the accountant types. Uh, they'll think about anything and they'll try almost anything um, to to start putting well. So the the list it's, it goes on and on. Like golfers will think about their 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 big toe, you know, their head, their eye position, their eyelash position, position their ear positions. Do, do they breathe in or out? You know, during the putt, all sorts of stuff. Um, when golfers typically get away from all that and they experience success and they write to me and tell me that it's going well, a huge issue, and this might not be answering your question, but it's, it's quite interesting anyway, um, yeah. is that a big issue is that they fall back into their old ways and then they'll write to me three months later. I think I had three emails over the weekend, you know, basically saying the same thing. And they'll say, Cameron, what am I doing wrong? I've lost the plot. Um, I was going really well with look and shoot. Now I'm not going well. 
but they'll basically answer their question in their email because they'll say that, you know, they've bought a new putter and they're trying to keep their eyes over the ball or they're thinking about their backstroke. So I've got to encourage them to go back and read the book and apply the principles. So there's no magic here. Like there's no there's nothing sexy about peak performance. There's nothing nothing sexy about playing your best golf. Often once you find something that's working, you've just got to stick to it and do it over and over and over again. And I know a lot of people out there will go, oh, that sounds like rubbish. Um, you know, how can that work? But the thing is our natural learning system is so powerful. Once we learn something, it's almost impossible to unlearn it. And we can, if we just keep following the same process, we'll get a little bit better each time we, we play. That doesn't always mean you're going to have 24 putts, but on your good day, when everything goes well, you're feeling confident and you get a bit of luck, you could have 24, 25 putts. I think the record in my group of golfers, and now I've sold the book to about 30,000 people, I think is 19 putts for 18 holes. That's the record, the lowest. And I've got umpteen emails and endorsements from people saying they've had 20 putts, 21 putts, which is phenomenal. But on average, I like golfers to get somewhere around the 29, 30 putts per round on average. Um, that works. You know, that means you're, for the most part, maximising your, your, your potential and your scoring potential. Yeah, you're probably getting up and down a couple of times out of that. You're probably um, making sure. a couple of birdies in that uh, with the one putts. And uh, you're probably shooting a pretty good score. It's very hard to put a blanket statement that applies to everyone because everyone is different. Everyone's got different handicaps. Um, some people flush the ball and they hit 17 greens around. Other people hit it all over the place and hit no greens and they're chipping and putting a lot. So, um, But, yeah, look, it comes down to your own uh, ability. But if you do fall off the wagon, if you start, if you have been putting well and then all of a sudden, um, you know, it's not going so well, there's an opportunity there to, you know, think deeply about your game use some insight, write things down in the diary. But I can almost guarantee that when you're putting poorly, you know, over a period of time, one round is, doesn't mean you've got the yips or you've lost the plot. We, we all can have a bad day. But if you're having um, round, poor rounds consistently, see it as an opportunity to, to dig deep and, you know, really look at your game um, without the rose-coloured glasses on. And I can almost guarantee that you're overthinking, you're trying too hard, you're not thinking about your, object, your, your intention, you're thinking about something else, your, your mechanics or your head position or... Um, you know something completely random, which isn't 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 going to help you play your best. Yeah, cool. I um I hope one day I can be one of those testimonials with uh with nineteen parts. That'll be well, uh, awesome if I can write that email too. <laughs> no, I would be happy to receive it. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I think my best round is twenty three putts in a, in a round of golf. Um, look, I don't even keep stats anymore. I've long since given up on that. I just play golf, and I tee it up and play, have fun. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I call myself half-handy these days. I don't play much. Um, I'm busy with, with work um, and family life. But, yeah, um, I'm very passionate about automated golf because I can still go out there and be, you know, somewhat competitive still, even though I'm, you know, getting old and overweight <laughs> and don't practice at all, like virtually don't practice. Yeah. You just go out and play during the week just go or, out and play. or whenever you play, yeah. Yeah. And even though I've got a sore back or a stiff knee or – um, I don't feel good. I don't. I don't try not to focus on that. I just focus on what I'm trying to do and play as freely and as automatically as possible on every shot. And uh, again, that maximizes maximizes my chances of success. And it still, you know, just still blows my mind. Just in my own little world, uh, how I can play. I, I played just recently over Christmas in a golf day, and I teamed up with a mate of mine in a four ball, and we scored 52 points in a Stableford match. Um, I think I had seven or eight birdies. I just yeah, sinking putts, hitting long drives, um, and I hadn't played for for months. You know, we had Christmas and drinking and carrying on, put on weight, eating too much. But, yeah, I was able to go out and just be completely instinctive and automatic, and um, it just clicks. Yeah, it was, it was awesome, good fun. 
Yeah, there's also no expectations when you're like that as well. So it's it's uh, it's a, yeah. you're a little freer in that sense too. You're not like you haven't gone out the week before and played a bad round, so you're expecting to play bad or played good and shoot, expecting to shoot a good score or whatever. So yeah, expectations um, is typically helps. future pacing. So you're getting ahead of yourself. It's no better than thinking about you know what you know your bad round you had last week. So yeah, you're best just to stay in the moment in the present. And, that, and they're quite um, common catchphrase, you know, catchphrases in golf. But, yeah, you need a process to be able to do that. And uh, that's the power of um, look and shoot and um, some of the other things that I've done in, in golf. Yeah. I actually heard um, I stayed up late last night or it was late for us in Australia last night, but it was probably early morning for a lot of the Europeans and Americans that were, that were watching it. But the DP World Tour event where um, mm-hmm. where Rory just beat um, Patrick Reed, and um, they interviewed one of the young guys who was playing with Rory and um, the when the lady went up to him as he's walking off the tee box, um, she's like, you know, what's going through your head? And he's like, oh, I'm just thinking about the next shot that I'm going to hit. Sorry to be really boring and give a terrible answer, but, like, I'm just thinking about this next shot. And she's like, oh, but if you can get a couple of birdies, that you'll be in the mix. And he's like, oh, yeah, maybe, like, but I sort of worry about this shot up here and see how we go. So he's yeah. he's fully dialed and, and sounds like he's going to have a, a good career ahead of him, but... Um, obviously didn't pan it that well for him last night, but um, I'm sure if he keeps that train of thought, it'll um, it'll serve him well. Yeah, it's if you listen to the the great champions, the you know the PGA Tour players, the guys on the European Tour, the DP World Tour, they often give amazing insight into uh, what I believe is you know um, an approach very similar to what I've been you know I've written about over the years, the automatic process, the natural learning process. It's you know, very simple, um, not getting ahead of themselves, just staying in the moment. Um, playing instinctively, but it's awful for commentators to talk about because they've got to they've got to fill in six or seven or eight hours of commentary, and they've got to talk about something. So it's easy for them to go down the the technical, you know, uh, pathway of talking about grip changes and that he's working with so and so coach and they're working on their body pivot and you know they go on about it, but they've got to talk about something. It wouldn't be easy if I if I was a commentator, I don't know what I'd talk about, but it'd be more, hey, he's just hit the shot. It is what it is. He hasn't. He hasn't got the. You know, he's not in a putting slump. He's just missed two, three footers in a row. He'll be right. He'll sink the next one. That's how I would talk about it. But it might not be great. Uh, great TV. Well, stick to your career, mate, because you seem to be doing pretty well with it so far. With um, the all the golfers that are riding to you with these low putting rounds. So, um, we'll stick there. Absolutely. Um, mate, um cool. Well, um, let's uh, let's start wrapping this up and um. Let's let's talk about where golfers can find you and your work, and what are the best places to go to, and and some of the resources they, they can dive into. Yeah, well, I think a great starting point is my look and shoot uh, book. It's it's now an ebook. In fact, it's more than an ebook. It's actually a little mini course. Um, so you get the book, and there's a bonus audio, and there's a um, some other uh, materials that can help you get the most from the program, including some articles and uh, a fast start guide. So what I'll do, Sean, is I'll put a little page together. Um, for your listeners and they can get a special deal on it and um, where can we send them to why don't we send them to um, my website automatic.golf forward slash fairway so automatic.golf and maybe you can put a link down here or put a graphic up and uh, automatic.golf slash fairway and then get a copy of the look and shoot little mini course ebook and a few other things and uh, that's a great starting a great starting place and once you've got that if you're keen you can go as deep as you want to go I've got I've written actually 12 or 13 books on, uh, you know, golf, um, peak performance and natural learning. So uh, the sky's the limit. 
Yeah, cool. That will be a great resource. And I know you've sent that to me um, just before we recorded this and um, I've started reading the book, um, but because you're such a diligent guy and uh, and booked the interview much sooner than I thought you would, um, I didn't get a chance to read through it all. So I'm looking forward to getting stuck into it and, uh, and finishing it off, uh, hopefully finishing it off before this podcast goes out and I can uh, do a good intro and, and let people know about it. That'd be ideal, Sean. No, cool. all good. So, um, yeah, check it out. It's a, it's a good little book. It doesn't take long. You know, it's only, I think, 70 or 80 pages and, um, yeah, it's not, it's not meant to be complicated. And it's just about bringing your natural instinctive putting, putting game to the surface so you can, you know, sink more putts when it counts, which is out in the golf course when, you know, you've got a scorecard in your back pocket and you're trying to beat Freddie and John, um, you know, for your monthly medal. Yeah, all the 50 bucks that they've got in their wallets. Correct. That's <laughs> even better, isn't it? Yes, it is, or for the first round. Um, cool, mate. Well, thanks so much for sharing that. I appreciate your time today. Um, we'll send everyone to those links and uh, and hopefully get some people in my world, um, not only swinging better and moving better and hitting the ball further, but then also reducing their uh, scoring potential by um, being able to actually sink some putts once they uh, drive it onto those par four greens. No, so, sounds awesome, go. mate. Thanks for having me. I really um, yeah, appreciate the invite. No worries.